Lyric Lounge. Hey, welcome to Lyric Lounge, where we talk about and sometimes overanalyze the words to some of your favorite songs. Come on in. I'm your doorman, Dave. Welcome to the Lyric Lounge. I'm Dave. And I'm Deb. Today we're going to be talking about a very special song. But before we get there, last episode we talked about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Here Comes My Girl. Deb, did you get a chance to hear that one? I did. It was a good episode. I love that song. Um, it, you know, being married to the world's biggest Tom Petty fan, it was, uh, you know, it was it's special to me because it has a lot of, um, you know, has a lot of meaning, importance. It's just been played at important times in our lives. So definitely, Tom yeah. Petty has uh, been the back in the backdrop of our lives for mm-hmm. for a bit. Yeah. You know, something about that um, episode that was, uh, you know, stuck out in my mind. Someone posed the question of, um, are the Beatles overrated? And it seemed to be the general consensus that they are. But I want to present another side. So, you know, I got to thinking about all the, you know, screaming girls and, you know, passing out and just going insane. And, um, you know, I got to thinking, they definitely wouldn't agree that the Beatles are overrated because, you know, to them it was, you know, Beatles were life. Um, but the reason why I feel that the Beatles are not overrated is because the, the Beatles came at a time when, you know, the world was, you know, maybe longing for a change. They marked a specific point in time where you can see not just musically things were changing, but also culturally. Um, we went from the very, um, prim and proper 50s, which, um, you know, rock and roll music was um, very bubblegum for the most part. And that was reflective of kind of the culture of the time. It was very um, clean cut. We were, you know, came on the end of World War II where, um, you know, things like food products started getting bleached white, you know, just so they looked so clean. Everything was very clean and prim and proper. And, um, you know, and the 60s are coming and, you know, maybe we're starting to, you know, get a little sick of that prim and proper. And then all of a sudden these boys from England come and, you know, they've got their mop top hairdos and their skinny suits and they're not wearing dress shoes. They're wearing Chelsea boots, which was, you know, are still very popular because of, um, you know, the Beatles bringing that look over from England and that it marked um, a period in time where, you know, everything shifted. And, you know, we can, we see that maybe with them um, in the fifties when Elvis Presley came in, and, you know, that was quite the scandal. And, you know, we see that in um, the early eighties when, you know, new wave um, Blondie and the cure and all that became popular, you know, music changed to then too. We see it in the early nineties with, um, with Nirvana and, um, you know, uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, you know, all that, you know, NWA, you know, we see these shifts in culture and music happening at the same time. And the Beatles, um, they kind of, um, in the 60s, spearheaded that um, that change. No, I get what you're saying. That's Everyone has a an idea of what the music is about in a particular generation. But every once in a while, something happens that's more than just 
the music is different because of this, but now the entire world is different. Yeah. So, you know, not just would, you know, a ton of screaming girls um, disagree with the take that the Beatles were overrated, but, um, but culturally they were extremely important um, in ushering in, um, you know, a whole bunch of new artists, you know, rock was typically American and this brought this new shift towards, you know, British rock, which, you know, it was first the Beatles and that paved the way for, you know, the Rolling Stones, um, David Bowie, uh, you know, I've got a whole list of, of uh, artists here that were part of the, the British Ramones. invasion. Um, <laughs> the Ramones. That was a little bit later. You know, we've got the um, the Who, the Rolling Stones, Yardbirds, Animals, Dusty Springfield, the Dave Clark Five, you know, and then a little bit later, you know, we did have David Bowie, we had Rod Stewart, we have Queen, and we have the artist we're talking about today who is near and dear to our heart, and that is um, Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John. We were lucky enough to go see Elton John last year, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the farewell, goodbye Yellow Brick Road tour. Mm-hmm. Man, it was incredible. It was the best concert ever. I mean, there's nothing better than singing, um, you know, Saturday nights, all right for fighting on a Saturday night with Elton John, and you know, the energy in that in that arena, that packed arena, was just. Um, you know, it couldn't be beat. I mean, we were all there like vibing, you know, it's like, it's just, it's unique to feel that with like, you know, 30,000 people. Let's all just, you know, scream Saturday, Saturday. And, you know, and there's Elton John. I mean, we had such great seats too. It was just, you know, it was a, it was a highlight. It was killer. I've, I've seen mm-hmm. lots of shows and it will always, even, even moving forward, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, it's always going to be in the top. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. Like you said, the energy of 30,000, I don't know, 50,000, however many people were there, all singing the same song, loving the same um, ideas. Elton John had so many classic songs. How how do you choose? How did you pick this one? Well, I mean, you know, this was one of his first songs. Um, We haven't even introduced the song we're talking about yet. And um, it's your song, um, which is just, is, um, you know, one of the best songs ever. I mean, I'm biased though. I'm like, I think you're already you're, choked up a little bit. I am. You know, you, Tom Petty <laughs> is to you as Elton John is to me. You know, it's just, um, you know, I have a very, you know, I love tons of different music. I tend to, you know, lean towards alternative and punk and, you know, rock. But, you know, Elton John, I mean, I think it's the, um, it's the musical theater kid in me that just, um, just loves the theatrical side of, of, um, of his uh, personality and the fact that, you know, he could, here he was, you know, a piano player, you know, piano prodigy. And, um, you know, he should be playing, you know, I mean, he went to the Royal Academy, you know, you know, on a scholarship, which is like, you know, Juilliard to us. And, um, you know, he went there and, you know, by all means, he should be playing packed out, you know, symphony halls, but yet, you know, here's this um, over the top personality, you know, rock star cocaine head. I mean, just like, he was just the epitome of rock star and he was a piano player. You know, that's just like, that's so badass to me. I just love it. Yeah. There's not very many of these. I mean, we've got, um, uh, great balls of fire, Jerry Lee Lewis, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, Billy Joel, um, of Billy Joel. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, there may be a few others, but not, to, not to that level. Not like a rock mm-hmm. star guitarist, which are, yeah, you know, a dime a dozen. <laughs> yeah, you think rock star, <laughs> and you're thinking like, um, you know, someone, you know, up there, you know, shredding on a guitar, not a 
don't know, dressed as Donald Duck. I mean, <laughs> this is just yeah. great. Some of the, some of those characters were so far over the top. It it's it's almost comical how 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 that actually worked out. Yeah. But you said this was your song. Yeah. Is one of the earlier songs, which is kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, it was. Um, it was on his second album. Um, you know, if you don't mind, I got some facts here um, about this. Um, you know, I can pull out Elton John facts for days. Yeah, please do throw them out. <laughs> But um, your song was um, recorded for his second um, studio album, which um, was self-titled. It was just called Elton John. So he recorded on his 1970 album, and it it was kind of slow to get traction. It was released as the B-side to um, Take Me to the Pilot, which is another amazing song. But, you know, with, you know, over the, you know, it took about a year to, to get traction, and DJs got to where they were really playing your song more than Take Me to the Pilot. So... Um, in subsequent, you know, releases, it was, um, they flipped it to where your song was the A side and take me to the pilot was the B side. Wow. Well, no surprise there. I mean, you can play your song and even if people don't immediately know it, when it gets to the hook, they know, they know that Mm -hmm. song and they love it and they probably sing along. Take me to the pilot. Maybe not so much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, take me to the pilot, but yeah, not as popular. Um, there's a funny story about the chorus too. Um, your song. He was, um, this is from his autobiography. I think it's called me. Um, but he went to, um, a party when he was in LA on his first tour, um, went to a party up in, um, Laurel Canyon and, um, you know, they were uh, him and whoever he's with, I can't even remember. Um, they were on the, the intercom like, Hey, you know, I'm here with Elton John. And he said, there was just, you know, silence in the background. And then all of a sudden he hears, the Beach Boys singing, um, I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind. Um, so they were singing his song to him. And then when they got to the door, you know, it was Brian Wilson answered the door. And, you know, he was just wow. at this random party and it was, you know, at Brian Wilson's house and they were singing his song to him, um, which was, you know, I can imagine as a young artist, pretty amazing. That must have been quite the ego yeah. boost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now did Elton John, you said this is a second album. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How did it play at the time? I mean, for me, this song could have been released in 1980 or 1990, and I, you know, I, I had no idea. You know, it's just as relevant any time. But so it's it's getting radio playtime 20, 30 years after its release. Yeah, yeah, it's still um, still stood the test of time. Um, you know, still just as relevant, you know, today as it was back then. And um, I think that you know we haven't talked about you know it's not Elton John that wrote the lyrics to this. Um, it was his partner, Bernie Topin. Um, Bernie wrote all the lyrics, Elton wrote all the music. Um, but Bernie Topin has said recently that, you know, this song has stood the test of time because it's, you know, it's so sweet and innocent and, um, you know, people just gravitate towards stuff like that. You know, it's just, it's just a hopeful little ditty. Yeah, it really is. And, And what you said about, about Bernie was, a kind of revelation to me the first time I heard it too that um, they had a partnership mm-hmm. that uh, Bernie wrote all of the words, all of the lyrics, yeah. and Elton would sometimes read them and just kind of immediately, kind of it, it just kind of worked itself out. He would sit down at the keyboard and and mm-hmm. sometimes hammer out a song in minutes. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened with this song. You know, if you've seen Rocket Man, they portrayed it really really well 
they were staying with Elton John's or Reggie Dwight, should I say? Um, they were staying with his mom and stepdad. Um, they had gotten you know, kicked out of their last place, and you know they're staying in like bunk beds and Elton's old bedroom. And um, you know, one morning, um, Bernie sits down to the um, kitchen table, and um, and I've actually got this quote that um, of him talking about it. This is um, Bernie's words. He says, "I remember writing it as if I as I was having breakfast. The original lyric had tea stains on it." Elton wrote it the same day. We went into a room where the piano was and just hammered it out. Um, so, you know, in the in the movie Rocket Man, they, um, you know, he just kind of hands him a sheet with the lyrics on it and then leaves the room. And then, you know, Elton sits down. It's like, oh, this is, you know, this is a really great lyric and just bangs out the song, in, you know, 15 minutes. And it's one of the best songs of all time. You know, there's some start you know, to finish. Artists, just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, this is musical prodigy. I can't even imagine, you know. There's other stories about other artists doing that. You know, Dolly Parton famously wrote um, Jolene and uh, I'll Always Love You in the same afternoon. You know, it's just, wow. it's amazing. And Tom Petty also, of course, I have a story to go with that. Uh, also, I mean, fills in lyrics and, and writes songs in the studio, you know, made up on the spot sometimes. And um, some of the best, that's that's how they do it. Just not every time, but occasionally. Now, in reading these lyrics, though, I guess I'm not surprised that Sir Elton John could sit at a piano and hammer out a hit, mm -hmm. but it does surprise me that Bernie could write these lyrics over breakfast because they seem to be more intentional than that. I, and then we'll get into that when we talk about the lyrics, but um, so you're telling me he, he also just sat down at breakfast and, and went through these lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even more amazing um, is, you know, here, you know, in, at our age and being married almost 30 years, we can talk about love, but, Bernie was 17 years old when he wrote this song. So, um, you know, what 17 year old knows about love, you know, and that's, you know, it just kind of goes to show you don't judge. Um, age is just a number. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that kind of lends to its, its sweetness and its naiveness, naivety, whatever. You have any other interesting um, facts? Just, you know, you guys talked about, you know, on the last episode, how, um, here comes my girl was only played like you know, a little over 200 times live. Um, on the flip side, Elton John has performed this song at almost every live performance he's ever done. Why do you think that is, that this particular song is played more, would you say this one has been played more than any of his songs live? Um, maybe just because it's older. Um, maybe. Um, you know, I haven't done a you know study on like all of his. Of course, he's going to play, you know, the, the Uber hits, you know, like um, Rocket Man and... Um, Benny and the Jets. Uh, Benny and Tichette's, you know, Tiny Dancer, um, you know, we could do, you know, we could go on. Do right. We could do this for, for a while. I think, um, I think this song is so popular for one because of its title and because of the idea that he's mm -hmm. giving it away. Like, this is yours. You can have this. This, mm -hmm. this can be your song. And everybody kind of takes yeah. that to heart because it says so many good things. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it points to, you know, I think we all can remember the time, you know, unless you're born with maybe, you know, billions of dollars, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. But, um, you know, we all remember that time when we were young and didn't have a whole lot to give, um, you know, being a kid, newly in love, you know, we don't have tons of money to go out and buy that person, um, you know, everything we, we think they deserve. So, you know, I think this is like, it's like a dreamers type song. Yeah, well said. That's kind of some, sounds like we need to get into the lyrics a bit because you're already 
dissecting so, them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know, another another thing I didn't bring up is this has been um, covered, you know, by multiple artists. I think um, like Lady Gaga, and you know, um, it's been done in movies, and um, you know, just it's been it's been covered a lot. It's really it's really, and it even inspired other. Um, Elton John songs, you know, there's um, a, a song for um, his album, which is my favorite. Um, it inspired um, We All Fall in Love Sometimes, which was on Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy, which is just the greatest album ever. I remember you saying sometimes to it from start to finish that that, it's that the is the best um, background music for mm-hmm. work. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's no secret I have ADHD and I need silence to work. And um, so, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of surprising me. Um, I have very few albums that I can just like sit and listen to in the background. And that one is one in rainbows by um, Radiohead is another one, but, um, but yeah, Brown Dark Cowboy is, um, you know, it starts off kind of slow, you know, you can listen to it in the background and then eventually you get to like, you know, Philadelphia freedom and um, the, they do a cover of um, uh, the Beatles, um, strawberry um no lucy in the sky with diamonds and a cool thing about that is um you know it's elton john singing it but also in background vocals and guitar is is john lennon so um you know oh i didn't know that they were like best friends in real life yeah um but yeah if you need a um if you're a little easily distracted you know that's a great album to listen to while you work that is great and and this that particular cover is one in which makes you stop and think hold on did he do this song first? I think he did. Maybe the Beatles covered him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually like um, the Elton John version better. So Elton John's music, kind of like the Beatles we were talking about earlier, have spanned uh, so many generations. I mean, he's still relevant today during COVID, doing uh, albums with with today's hottest mm-hmm. artists. Eminem yeah, and the um and, on sessions. Yeah. yeah. The cool thing about his relationship with um with Eminem in particular, because they're so different, you know, both groundbreaking and you know, sometimes incendiary, but um, you know, the Elton John had, you know, was very famously, you know, a party boy, you know, all into cocaine and drinking and um and the fact that he never shies away from that you know that hey i had this problem and this is how i got over it other artists have reached out to him like hey can you help me overcome my issues and eminem was one of them elton john helped him get into recovery which is just super cool really? yeah and you know they just kind of formed this friendship um that's just really really neat i like it when people that shouldn't go together do. <laughs> yeah you root, you definitely root for that they seem unlikely but in another way, they have so much in common that it's not surprising. Yeah. Well, what do you say we start the song? Without further ado. Now, I'm I'm I might be one of the one of the few kind of geeky people that really like to um, analyze the words and the uh, the beat and the um, the rhyme pattern. And, and the number of syllables and things like that. And this this may not be the best one to do that with because it doesn't really shine as far as, um, mm-hmm. you know, its construction or, or, or being exceedingly complicated or anything like that. And that's some of its charm. It makes it so 
so perfect in that it is is very simple rhyme scheme, um, very simple idea, but it's one that we we can all all relate to. It's a little bit funny this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. I don't have much money, but boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. This feeling inside. I like how he says, I'm not one of those who can easily hide. It kind of just says, I'm the kind of guy that wears my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. And like you alluded to earlier, yeah, for sure. um, being young, 17, in love, don't have any money. If I did, you know, we, we do this and this and, and, and we're buying yeah. this big old house and a little bit of, like you said, just, yeah. just a dreamer. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, looking at that, you know, someone in their forties now, I'm like, oh, please don't buy me a bigger house. I can barely keep up with this <laughs> one I got, you know, and buy me a smaller house where we both could live. <laughs> you know, so I think that kind of, um, you know, as you're, when you're young, you have these like pinnacles of wealth. Um, you know, mine used to be you know, a two story house. That was, you know, you were rich if you had a two-story house. Um, now it's like, no, I can barely get up the stairs with the groceries right now. That's funny. I was very similar just, in that uh, just stairs in general. You had stairs in your house. <laughs> wow. Rich people have those. Mm -hmm. And if it was spiral, oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where that first line came from. It kind of just starts in the middle kind of a thought. Yeah, it, it kind of alludes to maybe um, maybe a first love. Like, you know, this, this feeling I'm getting is kind of weird. I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, it's, it's a little funny. Yeah, it's a funny feeling inside, and he's not one who can easily hide. It's like, yeah, here's this mm -hmm. thing. It's happening to me, and I, uh, I kind of like it. I can't I'm not goal. sure what's yeah. going on, but uh, let's mm -hmm. go with it. It's kind of fun. Yeah. So I love that. It's just, uh, it's so lighthearted. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in a traveling show, I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song and this one's for you. This verse is, this is what I call a lyrical anomaly. Because it makes you say, hold on, what did, what did you just say? And you have to go back and think about that a bit. But it says such an amazing job of, of starting with something a little bit nonsensical. And um, simple with that naivety that you were talking about earlier, but it makes it all okay with those last two lines. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, you know, it's got some imposter syndrome going on here. You know, like, 
Yeah, I can write a song, but you know, what if I was a sculptor? You know, what if I traveled around and you know made potions and you know like the things that you know maybe seem a little bit cooler when you're younger or you know maybe don't have the best self-esteem. You know, you're like, oh, you know, this is this is all I got. You know, I wrote the song, but it's for you. Yeah, makes no apologies at the mm-hmm. at the end. It's funny that. I kind of think, okay, what what could have been happening at the time? He could have chosen any occupations in the world to make this song. <laughs> he comes up with a sculptor mm-hmm. and then says, "Eh." Then again, mm, no. no. And that's the line. It just he just kind of kept it. Like maybe I messed up on this mm-hmm. line, but I'm just gonna go with it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's funny when artists do that. You know, like they I don't have anything else to go here, so I'm just gonna stick. You know just some randomness in, in the song and keep it and it's fine make people guess for all eternity it often works it almost always does a man who makes potions yeah. in a traveling show where did that come from the 60s were a different time i guess <laughs> a different world even a different time i mean mm-hmm. i don't think even in the 70s I, again i wasn't born in 1970 when they wrote this was it written or released then it was released. Okay, so even earlier than that, maybe. I don't know how many people are traveling around making potions. It's kind of a magical thing. But yeah. at the same time, mm-hmm. when I think back of TV shows or old cowboy shows with a traveling potion maker, it's a snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm picturing, too, like a... Um, you know, the person with all the packs on them that's going around from town to town and like the people get excited because like, oh, whoever's coming and, you know, I can buy some hair dye or something. I don't know, right. I don't yeah, know what tonic. they <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got a tonic for my belly ache. And sometimes it's, uh, if, if the guy's got a covered wagon, he'll open the back and, and flip up the side and sell this, this tonic out of it that will cure everything from warts to losing hair to gunshots. <laughs> It's all, all in one tonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can put it on your war or your gunshot. <laughs> That's a long way from a sculptor. It's almost the opposite end of the spectrum. And I yeah. wonder if that was intentional. But at the same time, they're both creatives. You know, I'm creating a sculpture. I'm creating a potion. Well, I can't do these grand things, but you know, I can write a couple lyrics. True. Down. I see what you're saying. Dedicate yeah. them to you. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, uh, he kind of downplays. Um, the act yeah. of writing songs mm-hmm. says, I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do. And who knows if you go back and look at these lyrics and think, well, you know what? They're, they're okay, but I could do better. Is that the best you can do? But it made this mm-hmm. song that between the two of them has lasted and has become a world favorite. Yeah. I've, um, I was at a uh, conference last year and, you know, this guest speaker was talking about, you know, like, you know, people saying that, you know, I I don't know, I did my best, you know, like, did you do your best? You know, he, you know, gave the example of like, well, you're standing on the ground, you know, you did your best to get higher, but could you stand on the table? You know, like there's all, you could always do better. Um, But I think that with creatives, um, I know that when I'm painting or something, you know, I get to a point where like, oh, you know, I could always do one more thing a little bit better. I mean, I could make myself go insane for the perfection of this, but, um, you know, I have to walk away and say, I did my best, you know, 
without making myself mentally ill. Yeah, well said. In fact, I think at that moment that he put these lyrics on paper, it was the best. Mm-hmm. A 17-year-old writing one of the, the best love songs ever. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's pretty and Sometimes messing with it best. to make it better is a mistake. Makes it worse. Yeah. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. Are you crying? No. You're crying. Your mom. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just such a great line. I mean, it's just like, um, Mm -hmm. it just ties, drop the mic, it's over. Yeah. But then it does, it just manages to get better. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't even got to my favorite line yet. Mm. Well, let me know when we do. (laughs) I will. And you can tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down in the words How wonderful life is While you're in now I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do I need to ask what emotions it might evoke? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I hope you don't mind that, you know, I kind of get that as like, I hope you don't mind that I'm telling the whole world how I feel about you um, by putting this out in the world. You know, it's just like, um, you know, and also someone saying, you know, the, the world is a better place because you're in it. I mean, like, damn. You know, that's that's not just romantic love. You know, that's, um. you tell your kids that. You tell your mom, your dad that, your best friend. You know, like, you know, if you weren't here, you know, all of a sudden, if you weren't here, my world would not be as good because you're not in it. So I mean, this is, the chorus is just, um, it's just really great. Yeah, I agree. It's it's great on so many levels. I mean, it even starts out great. You can tell everybody this is your song. This this one's for you, like you said. And I wonder how many people touch that radio dial when it comes on, turns it up, says, oh, this is my song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe quite simple. And I'm not so sure now that it is. Yeah. I mean... It is simple and, you know, that's, but that's what's so great about it is like, you know, we don't always have to overthink things. And I, um, I know that you and I in particular are very analytical people. So we tend to overthink everything. Um, but this, this doesn't overthink the feelings, you know, like this is simple, you know, it's done, it's on paper. Um, it's how I feel. Um, it's out there for everyone to see and it's yours. You can claim this is you, you know, you is written about you. Yeah, exactly. I did this for you. And not only mm-hmm. did I do this thing for you, and I hope you don't mind, but the whole world is better mm-hmm. because you're here. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a better love song ever. Yeah. And like you said, it's, we can't know. Well, maybe we can. Do you have any idea what, was 
what kind of things were happening in Bernie's life at that time and, mm-hmm. and what he was relating this to. Is this from him to mm-hmm. Elton? Is this from Elton's point of view to uh, his parents or uh, just the fact that, um, you know, now they have an audience that's maybe they're, maybe they're saying this to the, to the world or to their mm-hmm. fans. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's Bernie's never revealed who this was about. Um, you know, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily a romantic, you know, man to man, man to woman, woman to woman, whatever you want to say. It's not necessarily a romantic song. I mean, it could be a love song to a best friend, you know, a partner, um, a business partner. Um, hey, piano man, I wrote this song for you. It goes just as easily, you know, hey, I wrote this to our fans. Um, you know, they were all, they were very new to that world at the time. Um, but, you know, it also could have been, the music studio saying, Hey, go write us a love song. You know, that's, if you want to get, you know, this new album deal, you have to write us a love song. I mean, it very well could have been that too. Um, I mean, he's never revealed. It was just, you know, a song he banged out one morning at breakfast on a tea stain piece of paper. It's incredible. Incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. Sat on the roof and kicked off the moss. Well, a few of the verses, well, they've got me quite cross. But the sun's been quite kind while I wrote this song. It's for people like you that keep it turned on. Some of the words in this verse is what prompted my my earlier um, idea that it felt like there was more intention to the song. Like he sat down to do it, and it didn't just that. It, it took some work. Mm-hmm. He sat on the roof and kicked off the moss, which kind of uh, that paints a picture in itself about I don't know. It's not a hobbit house, <laughs> but. It's very British. This whole line, this whole little verse is very, very British. Yeah, well said. (laughs) I'm sitting, I'm kicking off moss and it's made me cross. Right, who says that? (laughs) Yeah, British people, not Americans. Like if an American wrote it, like I'm sitting on the roof kicking the beer can. And I was pissed. A couple of verses got me pissed. (laughs) (laughs) A few of the verses, well, they got me quite cross. It makes you think that he's struggling a little bit like yeah maybe i'm i'm not happy with the way that lyric or that line came out may have to tinker with it a little bit but and i can see how if i had written this i would go back and edit the crap out of it but it wouldn't be this great yeah i I think the fact that that kind of goes to the the other you know we're talking about how we overthink things you know like um we analyze the, the crap out of, you know, our art and, um, you know, and it kind of points to that imposter syndrome too, you know, like, um, you know, you know, sat around and, you know, a few of these verses, you know, and I don't know, they just, they just got me cross, but, you know, also, you know, I feel safe. You're in my safe space. You know, I can be vulnerable and tell you that, you know, this wasn't super easy for me. Um, so I better appreciate it. <laughs> yeah that's a good point it's a, it wasn't easy i did this it, this thing for you it wasn't that easy 
some of them got me a little perturbed. And, mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand, it's sunny day. It's nice. Yeah. It's a nice day when I wrote this song. And at the end of the day, it's for people like you to keep it turned on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who love music. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have our, um, you know, our people who love us, and sometimes when we don't feel like getting up, getting out of bed, and doing those things, we, we do them anyway. Yeah. This next um, next verse is my favorite. Is it? Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna stall then. <laughs> <laughs> so excuse me for getting, but these things I do. See, I've forgotten if they're green or they're blue. Anyway, the thing is, what I really mean. Yours are the sweetest guys I've ever seen. Just, I love everything about that. I mean, the way it's composed, you know, hey, I've forgotten if they're green or they're blue. And you're like, what is he talking about? And you realize they're talking about something about your eyes. You know, it's just, I just love the way it's composed. Wow. You know what? I don't guess I've ever really thought about it. And I didn't get that until just now when you said it. I, I read it to mean, I'm just kind of confused. So excuse me for forgetting, but these things I do, as you see, I've forgotten if they're green or they're blue. Yeah, I took it to mean, I'm just kind of confused. I don't know what's black and white, what's up and down, but you're saying that the green or blue is is, is talking about the eyes. I feel so dumb for not getting that now. <laughs> well, and you know, and he also says, you know, excuse me for getting, but these things I do, you know, like... I'm not perfect. You know, I'm not going to remember every little detail. You know, I may be the kind of guy or kind of gal that, you know, I may not remember it's our anniversary until the morning of our anniversary. And I'd see, you know, my kid reminds me like, Hey, happy anniversary. Not speaking from experience, but, um, you know, sometimes people are forgetful. Um, you know, when it's a new love, like, Oh my gosh, you know, their eyes, I haven't studied their eyes enough. You know, they green, they blue, they see foam, you know, I, I don't know. I can't tell you that exactly, but what I do know is those are the sweetest eyes I've ever seen. Yeah. This is just one of those songs where I'm having trouble anal- overanalyzing lyrics because they just, they kind of just say it all by themselves. <laughs> straightforward, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me for getting these things I do. I've forgotten if they're green or if they're blue. But anyway, he's like, well, anyway not perfect like you said i've forgotten but what i really mean is yours are the sweetest eyes i've ever seen mm-hmm. that's pretty great in fact there's several moments in this song that is um this thing that thing this thing but here's the real thing mm-hmm. in fact it does that so well in a, in more than one place from here, it goes back. So this is your favorite part of the whole song, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that verse. And it's not just because he's alluding to green eyes. I mean, blue eyes, excuse me. Um, it's always been, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. You know, um, 
you know, I, I thought when I was little, I thought I was superior because I had blue eyes and my siblings had brown eyes, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, but, you know, at the same time, you know, my sister had brown eyes, but Van Morrison had the song, you know, brown eyed girl. And like, there's no blue eyed girl song. I mean, other than, you know, like five foot two eyes of blue. <laughs> I knew that was um, coming. <laughs> which I can play on the ukulele if you'd like me to. Please. Um, but you know, there's just you know, it's not that's not it at all, and not in this case. Um, it's just uh, I don't know. It's just you know, uh, hey, I may not be the most observant. I may not remember every little detail about our lives, but you know what I do know is that you know you're the best. You know, that's it. I'm glad you love that because I, I hope that mm-hmm. you think of me when when that comes on that. I forget a bunch of stuff, but not the important <laughs> stuff. Not when it really counts. I'm there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think we've told the uh, the audience yet, um, the people that don't know us, that we are actually married in real life for almost 30 years now. I know. And in fact, if you can hear, there's this annoying um, staticky sound in the background of my mic, and that's because my my computer fan is constantly running. I was trying to, I've got an ice pack under it right now, which is kind of funny, but um, in trying to turn it off or stop it from doing that, I turned off the camera, which we're not recording anyway, and it stopped. That worked, but then we couldn't see each other, Mm. and so thank you for putting up with the uh, static in the background, but it was worth it to me. Mm Mm-hmm. For us to see each other while we do this because we're in separate rooms yeah 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 maybe when we do like a, i don't know like nwa strawberry or you know dope man <laughs> or something we can keep the cameras off but uh, you know <laughs> for now since it's a love because who knows what we might be doing <laughs> <laughs> you never know the what the anyways. next episode brings <laughs> <laughs> so from here it goes back to the chorus which we're going to go ahead and play again because it's so great You can tell everybody This is the song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind How I put down in the words How wonderful life is While you're in Don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down in the world How wonderful life is while you're in the world. Yay. Maybe I didn't write it. I'm only playing it, but today this is your song. Hmm. I'm going to say the same thing about you. How should we wrap this one up? Hmm. Maybe if this resonates with you, you know, you share this with uh, with someone that you love. And if you had the ability, you would write a song to them and I don't know, just share them, share it. 
That's a pretty great idea. Smash that like button. <laughs> Don't <laughs> smash the like button. I want you to get a jackhammer and <laughs> and a flamethrower and a rocket yeah. from the Skinwalker I was going to say, ranch. I want you to shoot a rocket at it. Um, yeah, we're big Skinwalker Ranch fans here <laughs> in this household, and um, we shoot rockets at everything we don't understand. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we even have a like button yet, but if we do, shoot a rocket at it. We're going to have one. Shoot a rocket at the like button. That's our, <laughs> yeah. If, you know, give us five stars and shoot a rocket at it. Shoot five, st- one rocket for each star. <laughs> Until next time. We'll see you next time on Lyric Lounge. Hey, thanks for hanging out at the Lyric Lounge. If you want to be a guest on the show, just pick a song and contact us through the information on the show notes. We do what we do at the Lyric Lounge because we love the magic of music. Please support the artists that make it through legitimate distribution channels. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Lyric Lounge.